Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Oh, man. Fabulous fifth hour is here, and uh, you are, too. We appreciate the messages, including this one, another one from the uh, the beautiful city of Lubbock, Texas. Those guys, I live in Lubbock, and they are lined up. We need to be ready for a crazy night in Lubbock. We need to shut them up. It's happening, man. It's happening. Gonna be, it, it's gonna be wild. It's the last time Texas basketball is gonna be in Lubbock. I mean, what are the sports before Texas officially switches to the SEC, which is gonna happen when in July? July first, big so, party plan for June thirtieth. So on campus. So those, so that's those sports are the last sports that are gonna baseball travel. Baseball will be the last, but baseball plays baseball. Texas Tech as their first series next weekend, two right. weeks, and it's yeah. here. Yeah, so they don't have to go back to Lubbock. That's true. <laughs> and the women are done. The women are done, so this might be the last. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's one of the last ones, man. I think it might be. I mean, maybe tennis. Yeah, you're right. Could be another. I'll have yeah. to look that up. But uh, yeah, let us know if you know. But uh, maybe beach volleyball. Are we starting our beach volleyball team yet? Get out down there at the Forty Acres. What are we doing? Oh yeah, it's coming. Oh no. And CD says only female sport. They're only adding female sports from now on. It's Title Nine. Yeah, they can't. They're not adding but, any other male sports. By the way, speaking of that, Charles Robinson, the uh, or Charles Baker, I should say, the president of the NCAA has spoken based on the uh, latest loss oh, in court that man, they had. That, that guy just got that gig, didn't he? Not yeah, too long ago. He walked into a, a cauldron. I hope they're paying you a lot of money, man. The <laughs> grief to dollars ratio of being the new president of the NCAA. Uh, well, we, while speaking with, with reporters back on Friday, he expressed, expressed interest about the lawsuits. Uh, he said, you're talking about 95% of colleges that probably spend somewhere between 40 and 50, 40 and 40 million and 5 million on college sports and they lose money. He says they don't have TV contracts. Nobody can look at their income statement or balance sheets and conclude that there will be a way for them to make money. And this is on the question of making the student athletes employees. Yes. Which would bankrupt most every athletic department uh, once you get there. Uh, And that's fair. Now, Baker says, uh, added that he's had conversations with members of Congress who agree there needs to be a system established where players' NIL rights are standardized and that there are opportunities for athletes to make money without having to become employees of the school that they attend. Baker believes that can be achieved if Congress grants the NCAA a limited antitrust exemption that allows it to set rules safeguarding college sports without threat of litigation so give us some litigation shield we can set some rules and put some parameters in place that will make it an e- more of an even playing field uh, do we trust the ncaa not to screw it up and the, the we're question. talking about the ncaa working with our federal government this, mm. but at the same time something has to be done and, and look as we something talked yesterday a lot you can't make them I mean, employees, employment, you know, makes them, you know, every, everything we talk about, you know, workman's comp and yeah. health Insurance. benefits yeah. and, gosh, everything that comes with that. Uh, that's, a, that's a slippery slope. Now, less because, you know, in the NFL you unionize, you know, in pro sports you can unionize. Can you actually unionize that many college football players? But it's not just football players. It's across the board. We're talking about college athletes. Mm-hmm. Texas has over 500. Yeah. On their campus alone, for crying out loud. So, yes, I don't know the easy answer. It probably is something along with Congress and, and an antitrust exemption to build some safeguards. Because when we talk about guardrails, that's really what it is. But at the same time, we're talking about the, you know, because there are 68 schools now that are in the, the Power Four with the, yep. the new, as of January, as of July 1st, you'll have 68 schools. I mean, there's talk of those four breaking away and, you know, building their own governing body that they all listen to and apply the rules. And makes sense. And Nick Saban becomes the first commissioner, and we move forward. And then the NCAA can get that blanket from the NCAA or from the Congress to run the rest of the sports. 
with yes. some safeguards yeah. in place. Because you can't treat all the sports the same. No, you cannot. We're past that point. You cannot. So that's where we're headed. And, yes, will Congress act? I mean, it's kind of hard to believe they will in an election year. No, I mean, I That's, that's uh, going to be unpopular. No, you're not getting anything going before the election. No way. No, or would it be seen as a, as no a political win to put something in place? No, it's not that. It's, I don't think Americans care about it that much. I don't know if it's college football fans do, but Alabama fans do. Alabama <laughs> fans do. You're right. That's a lot of college football fans. But I don't know if you know. I don't know if it moves the meter that much, moves the needle that much in American politics. Well, but we'll it, see. It definitely is going to need you going to need federal legislation though to figure this thing out. You're going to need Uncle Sam. Yeah, and what they need is as you as they said a a, a block of litigation, so we can't keep getting sued and lose. Because they're going to lose. We get an exemption, right? We get, we get uh, yes, it's against antitrust laws. We know that. But this is the, the best way forward. The players can make money, but they can't, you know, we got to have some structure to it that doesn't just make it the, as we talk about the Wild Wild West. Now, we'll see. We'll see where that goes. I do think we're going to have the top 68 moving forward, breaking away, and they'll have their own set of rules. Yep. And they will probably maybe, have some type of salary cap. Maybe and, that'll force Notre Dame into a conference. There you go. Well, that's why I say I think they're being they're being boxed in. Maybe that'll the thing that forces them into a conference. They're like, hey man, we're actually about to separate, emancipate ourselves from the NCAA. You better pick a side. You better do it quickly. Yeah. We're making rules now just for people that are in the circle of trust in our conference and not outside of our conference. Either well, with us or against us. We'll see where it lands. This is the two most corrupt organizations in the world, NCAA and the U.S. That's what I, say, I don't know if yeah. I trust the NCAA doing it. Uh, <sighs> I don't. I really don't. I'd rather them kind of form their own new governing body, a new progressive well, modern governing body rather than NCAA. Yeah, you're going to have to work with Uncle Sam. You're going to need federal legislation because you're right. At this point, you've got states' laws. You have to trump. Um, no pun intended there. <laughs> you you got, you got to do something that can provide uniformity with the NIL law, and unless you get a federal law, everybody's just going to respect the state law. And then you're going to lose in the courts every time because they're going to say, well, laws, you know, laws over rules, right? Laws are more important than laws uh, actually are going to be the end-all, be-all here. Nobody's going to follow your NCAA rules. That's going to be the case. The only law that's going to trump state's law is going to be federal law. Well, and I, you, you wonder, you know, is 2024 the year where we start to hear some of this, hey, let's break away talk? Because, again, now we're to 68. That seems like a reasonable number. It does. Um, you know, and then would they actually put rules for the 68, uh, the power teams in the, in the four power conferences that say, you know what, we are going to put some teeth into the transfer. I mean, you, you can transfer out of the power 68 without penalty, but if you're going to transfer within the 68 – we're going to have to have some type of because oh, I, look, gotcha. I mean yeah. I, because I think everyone would agree because it's it, you know it, it helps and hurts. Texas had a great off season in the portal, but they could have a bad off season in the portal, and Longhorn fans are going to be all mad about it. They could. It, it giveth and it taketh away, and it's one of those where, as we said, if you take it to the NFL, you can't have a system that's going to be sustainable where at the end of each season, you know Patrick Mahomes can go play with whoever he wants to with, without a salary cap. You know, he, yeah. you know the whole Chiefs roster could yeah. say, hey. I'm going to play for X, Y, and Z. I mean, who's the rich owner in, in L.A. or whatever? It can pay me a gazillion dollars. I mean, that's, that's essentially what they're dealing with right now with the lack of restrictions on NIL and the lack of restrictions in transfers. We would all look at that and say, you know, even though we were advocates for NIL and letting these, these players and the student-athletes cash in on this, this pile of money, there's got to be some rules. There but really cannot it, be yeah. that completely wide open. Even when schools were just like, so just a school offering a kid a scholarship, isn't that a one-year contract? Isn't that at the school's yes, discretion, discretion year by year to yeah, roll they, over? Yeah, they're one-year deals. Roll over one-year deals. They're one-year deals. Yeah. 
So doesn't so, that? I mean, it kind of goes both ways. Kind of, not well, as that's much. What Nick, that's, but, it does. You're right about that. Ty. Well, that's what Nick Saban has said. Like, right look, that, look, look. We're to a point where. Um, this isn't recognizable as college football, and there needs to be, you know, because again, it swung way. This is an overcorrection, as you said yesterday, without a doubt. Uh, and but it swung way too far back the other way to where what it was before was full control by the coach. He could lock you in, and you couldn't transfer. You couldn't leave, even if you had a really your good, career. Yeah, if you wanted to, period. Bury you on the depth chart. Yeah. You could never go anywhere, and uh, you know, and and you couldn't make any money. You couldn't even get a job. And we would all agree that that is not sustainable, or it wasn't. There were people that argued for it. Well, now here we are the other way. I don't think this is sustainable because it's it's too wide open. And as Nick Saban has said, you know, at some point we agree we were probably too harsh before, but we've got to, you've got to have some. The, the student athlete has to have some commitment to the school that they're going to yeah. honor, right? There, there's got to be. We're committing to you, and you can you can come here your platform to go make NIL dollars and all those things. Uh, we have to have a commitment back towards us. There's got to be because it's gone too far the other way now. But the, the, I mean, just to go back to what I just said. The schools have always had the ability to go back on their word. Yeah. So and yeah, they have, right. and there's been plenty of occasions where they have. Or school. No, right. I've, I mean, I've, doesn't. It's not just football either. I have a friend who got a full ride to Denver to play soccer, which in soccer they hardly ever offer full rides. It's usually like a fourth of a scholarship, a half of a scholarship, kind of like baseball, and it got to the point where he was there and the coaches basically were like, you need to transfer. We need that. We need that scholarship available, a full scholarship. Yeah. That, 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 that happens in football. That, sure literally, does. that happens every spring when they talk about these, the coaches are meeting with the players. What do you think they're meeting with? What they're saying when there's meetings with the players, they're, they're, they're letting it be known. Hey man, you're not really welcome here. You're not going to play. All right. And honestly, we're going to make life tough on you. You probably want to go somewhere where you got a chance to play and where the coaches covet you and the coaches that want you to be there. They're letting them know they're going to make, them, make life uncomfortable for them, and most of those guys end up transferring. So the coaches, Ty's right, they want the one-year deals because then they can, they can overhaul the roster whenever they want to and they can upgrade talent whenever they want to. You know, so they're not going to give you a four-year scholarship. They don't want to do that. Right. Well, and that's why I wonder, when you go to the 68, what are they going to agree to? Because as we said, rules are negotiated. And at this point, even in the schools of 68, you're going to have to negotiate with, at some level, the players who need to have some type of representation mm -hmm. of what this is going to be. Uh, there's got to be common ground on this because I think it's, it's to, to y'all's point right there, that's fair. No, well, the, the school needs to commit to more than one year at a time. But yeah. at the same time, they don't, they don't want to get stuck with say, a bad player. I mean, Quan, Quan here texted me and said uh, a few years ago they became five-year guaranteed scholarships. Oh, so really? I guess because of the uh, – yeah, I guess they changed it a few years ago. So shout out to my man, Thanks, uh, Quan. Quan. But so if that's the case, then I guess the schools are committing more if, to the player well, if they uh, do have that, that – five-year limit well looking at if you're if you're getting nil dollars which we know at this point in a lot of cases just coming from the the collectives which you know we do we know there are players at texas who do have name image and likeness deals right i mean yeah I mean, quinn ewers has several where he's actually you know pitching a product and 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 a spokesperson for a product but a lot of it is just straight through the collectives which is which is you know fine too but that's where if you're you know donating to the one fund or you're donating to or you're going to sign up a player they're yeah we, we don't want to just do this for one year man we want you to be here with us is there a commitment you can make uh, through nil i don't know these are the conversations that need to be had uh big picture because it uh i, I do agree with nick saban it's unhealthy big picture just like it was unhealthy before and not fair and I've argued for it for 25 years on, on radio. Now I think it's come so far the other way that there has to be some commitment back the other way, where it's not—it's just not a good sport. Now, and we're seeing it mostly in basketball, uh, men's basketball, where you're seeing players. I mean, whole new rosters year by year. 
Yeah. I don't think that's healthy for the sport. I yeah. don't think that's healthy for the game. No, I agree with you. I just, uh, at this point, I, you know, I wonder how much of it will be worked out by the market itself stabilizing. I mean, like you just said, you know, the transfer portal right now, the NCAA has decided they're not going to penalize players for transferring multiple times in transfer portal because they keep going to court and losing, uh, and they're tired of the litigation. You know, just like you pointed out, it's possible that these players will be um, held accountable in terms of being able to leave via the transfer portal through the NIL deals because they are not with the university. They are with other entities, collectors and directives, and that maybe if they sign there for two and three years and maybe it'll cost them more, that that keeps them there. And then when they violate that contract, there's a penalty for violating that contract. Yeah, and that because that's a personal contract for you. You buy the contract. Or, All right, we well, got to pay back this amount of money. Know, if you leave after you know, and your representative signed this, like if you leave, transfer out, you got to pay back. You what owe we're us, giving you. Yeah, yeah, you owe us some back money. Yeah, and that's another kind of which what, is you yeah. know people talk about coaches leaving all the time, and that's fair. But coaches do whether you think they have they, buyouts. They have buyouts. I mean, they there's a penalty. Buyouts. Yeah, there's a financial penalty for leaving, and someone's got to pay it. And a lot of times it's the coach or it's the you know, school yeah. covers it on the other end. But there is a financial penalty. Ask the Aggies about Jimbo Fisher. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's yep. – that was the, the uh, termination. But then but, you have to get these contracts have to be above board then. Like they, gotta, they do. They're actually – right? They're going to be a contract that you actually – that I'm assuming will be litigated and it could lead to a lawsuit if violated. That's right. Of the player. So – like I said, maybe that's the way. That seems harsh, but that's the free market. That's the market, right? <laughs> right? You signed this contract. You were going to be our spokesperson doing X, Y, and Z, or you were taking money as a, out of the collective, and we had an agreement. We had an agreement, uh, yeah. Now, again, now if, if it's one of those situations you guys just talked about where a young guy goes into his exit meeting and the coach says, man, you got to get going. We, we, we need to improve this spot, this spot yeah. of the roster. Then there's got to be some wiggle room to that. Because, yeah. you know. But we are seeing starters leave now. It used oh. to be only backups at the transfer portal. Now we're seeing starting quarterbacks like, ah, I'm good. I'm hitting the transfer portal. So it is a different era. But I'm with you. I, don't, I, I think if you, if you use the NIL contract as a way to incentivize players or decentivize them for him to transfer a portal, I think it, it may work. I mean – to a certain extent, some guys are just going to leave regardless. And then maybe there is a clause on the other end that allows the players to leave. But like you said, there's a buyout. There's a certain amount you got to pay back of sure. the NIO Business, money y'all. you gained. Or maybe that, maybe that company is national. They go, no, we're good. We like you as a brand. Wherever you're going, just let us know. Yeah. And we'll pick it up over there. We got an office in, uh, on the West Coast, an office on the East Coast. Uh, we can accommodate. Yeah. You know, you could have big brands like that. I don't know, but I, I think that's where we're going. Because I, I don't know if the schools – because they don't have contracts with the players. The only contract they have with the players is the scholarship. Yep. And I don't know how you, know, how you can enforce it if you're the school from leaving it's good, in terms of transfer. It's a good conversation. And it's, it's on. It's just sitting in this text hits a nail on the head. The uh, good time to be a lawyer. That's a, absolutely true. You so damn right. Lawyers always well, and a student athlete. And a student athlete. Oh, man. And think about it. You're a student athlete right now. And it's the Wild Wild West. They actually can offer inducements now because of the, uh, the federal injunction. They can sit down in your living room and say, all right, we'll offer you 60000 You can go, I just got 70000 offered from, from this school over here. Then yeah. you can go to 80000 You literally can sit in a living room and do that. Your mom and dad can negotiate that right now. Yeah. How about 80000 All right, 80000 Okay, let's, let's get that. Can we get that? How do you want that? All right, I don't know. Can we get that into an account here? Slide on a piece of paper here. I need it in that account right now. Bit crazy. Like it is crazy, and that is to me <laughs> that's the point. I mean, that, that's unhealthy. That to the example of the NFL. I mean, you can't have that. You can't have the season end, and all of a sudden, the highest bidder yeah. is taking the best players. Now it'd be uh, through an NIL deal, but they can they can talk money now in yeah. recruiting. They sure, used to couldn't talk money, and when they were recruiting an athlete, it's all crazy. Right.
Yeah, we are in a wild time, and for sure we'll see if – and as this text says, I mean, with everything going on, if, if the Fed's got involved in sports right now with the border issues and all the conversations going on on an election year, it would be bad optics. Exactly. They, they, yeah, they, they won't touch it for a you're while. You're really going to do this while everything else is going yeah. on? Got, and then I can't see the first year of a presidency, of the president, I can't see him touching that in the first year because it's just not a priority. We're going to have a lot of other right. things going on in this country. So, guys, we're going to be here for about at least two, three years. We're going to be – Stuck like right it. here. At least two. And, oh man, like I said, student athletes are going to win. And, honestly, the Texas is of the world. This programs with the, all the sugar daddies, with the most resources. The rich are just going to get richer here. This is That is it. Even Paul Feinbaum said, you're a group of five program. You ain't got no shot in about five or ten years. The separation no. of the have and have nots is about to it, – it is, it is about to exponentially increase. That divide is going to be a Grand Canyon-sized gap. Yeah. 100%. Uh, so we'll see and see what can happen. Um, that's why I say if the 68 do break away, they can then form their own rules. Yeah, that, they that, need they, it. And yep. that, that's where that could happen sooner than two years. That yeah, right. Happen. Now that that's, actually, then you can keep the players from transferring. You can go, hey, you gotta, you got you to gotta sit out a year if you transfer within the 68. Well, and look, I mean, Whatever. we just talked about the salary cap going through the roof in the NFL, and that's coming from the explosion of TV revenue and, and, and um, advertiser revenue or the revenue coming in from the TV partners. Uh, went up $30 million. Well, look, I mean, Chip Kelly and others have argued that the, you know, the, those 68 schools should be negotiating their TV deals together collectively. Oh, yeah. And then that's where, you know, players can share in that too. I mean, players share in the TV revenue. And uh, those are all wild new ideas. Would they ideas. have to become uh, – would they have to unionize and become employees to do that? That's what I want to know. Can they get a share without well, that's the unionization? Question. Can, they, can they unite without becoming employees? That's that's the, that is the question, right? Can they become a group without being a union and still get revenue share? Yeah. That's like, I don't know. I guess you got to get a lawyer. Yeah, for the law, hey, lawyers that. always win. The lawyer, lawyer will know. But sure, that's a great – if you can do that, a revenue share without the unionization, that would be key. Because yeah. then I don't think you'd have – because you wouldn't have to – Make them employees. I think they unionize. That's just right. Yeah, trouble. You, you're, you're about to become employees. Well, and that yeah. goes back to the to this. You know, Charles Baker. If they separate the '68, could they afford to make them employees? At least in football, if not the other sports. Right. Just that's in true. football. Yeah, because we don't know what that's worth. Right. That could be worth if the NFL is worth 17 billion dollars annually. Yes. Because there's 32 teams. What is the top 60? Which say 68 brands in college football consolidated. What is that worth? Yeah. Is it or $20 billion? Like, yeah, what is knows? it worth? That's who knows? That's the question, right? That's the value. <laughs> but those are the discussions that will be had. And, again, football, and you could say, you know, it's, it's, it's destroying college football, but it's, it's separating. It's semi it's, – it's minor league football, essentially, mm-hmm. uh, to the NFL. But it all, it, it, there's also good to it because that revenue pays for the rest of the athletic department. Yep. And we want that, right? You want 500-plus athletes at UT. You want all these sports. To, but to have robust sports, you've got to have football. Uh, and to have football now with all the new rules – this new model is unsustainable until there's some, some, you know, boundaries put on it and agreed to that can then fund everything, uh, which the NCAA would still be need to be in charge of the other sports, you know, college football included, outside of the top 68. Would the group of five athletic programs still be able to afford the other sports if they truly separate from this, the, the, the top 68 or whatever, the, the, the power four? Because they their product wouldn't be as valuable, they wouldn't produce as much revenue. Yeah. They probably wouldn't be playing the uh, power schools in that those non conference games uh, anymore when they get those big checks. I do wonder what would happen eventually to their to their athletic programs and their athletic budget 
and their business model if they don't have access to the power conferences yeah. at all. And it just and they basically are like you said they've already established that the power schools are going to be kind of the the semi pro league or the minor league for the NFL. Then what's the group of five become? That's right. Hey, we'll come back and we will talk running backs because the running back market in the NFL, speaking of markets, is going to be robust. But uh, what are these guys going to be able to demand? And what are the Dallas Cowboys going to do? They've got hey. an issue at running back, without a doubt. We'll tell, give you details coming back on Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook'em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Right earlier, we were talking about uh, price of food, chicken wings at Hooters and things of that nature. Oh, man, it's expensive. Saw this. Cost of living in 1962. Oh. Cost of living. Think about this, where we are right now. Well, that's, you know, 60 years ago. Mm-hmm. New houses, average new house was 12550 Wow. <laughs> the average income per year was $5,556. Wow. New car you could get for about 2900 It's amazing. Tuition to uh, Harvard University, Rod. To Harvard? How much is going to run me? $1,520 per year. Damn. <laughs> gallon of gasoline was 27 Ooh. cents. The American dream has become much more expensive. Yes. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it, was, it was cheaper back then. Uh, looking at that, the, the, the escalation in tuition, I think, is the largest one, for crying out loud. Oh, yeah. From no. 1500 bucks to yeah. what you got to pay to go to Harvard now? Are you kidding me? Yeah, but that's you know that's the guess case all over higher education. Yeah, it used to be cheap. I mean, some people tell me about the uh, tuition rates at Texas back in the day. I was like, oh man, are you oh, serious? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it was it was actually really cheap, yeah. like really affordable. But uh, times they have changed. Yeah. Uh, higher education save is, your save your money. Yeah, and that's nothing too. That's nothing. We as a society, we almost overvalue higher education. It is great, but not everybody needs to go to college. Not everybody wants to go to college. You can learn skills. Um, that can make you just as much money as going to college, and it won't put 100%. you in debt. You can learn skills throughout your life and, and develop those. So that's, uh, yeah, I think sometimes we overvalue, oh, you got to go to college to learn what you want to do. But you can go other places to learn a skill and learn what you want to do. It's yeah, not 100%. always college, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, like, if you're going to go be a doctor, you need to go to medical. Yeah, you got to go to be college. a lawyer, you got to yes. go to law school. Yeah. But um, if you're just getting an undergrad. Come on, man. You don't have to do that. Yeah, exactly. You don't necessarily have to do it, but it—it it, it, you know, it's a fun experience, though. But I'm just saying, I know a lot of people were making good money. They didn't go to college; they went to learn a trade. Before we skill. before we go behind the burn orange curtain with uh, RB here, we need to ask the question: What the hell are the Cowboys going to do at running back? Not only is Tony Pollard going to become a free agent in March, uh, they're not going to tag him according to Adam Schefter like they did last year. They don't want to pay him the twelve million dollars plus should. that it would be, which is a smart move. Yeah, Rico Dowdle is also a free agent run. Oh, I didn't realize Rico Dowdle was too. That's Damn. according to Clarence Hill. Rico Dowdle's at the end of his contract. Um, Cowboys, you know, they got some work to do at that position because um, Deuce Vaughn can't be your running back. No, they need a bell cow. <laughs> they need a, a workhorse and a, a kind of a main course running back. And 
you know, Tony Pollard, I think in that role really just, you know, I think for him it was uncomfortable. Uh, he was, I think he was used to being a, a complimentary uh, piece in a running game, and they tried to turn him into a workhorse running back, and I think, you know, for him uh, that was a little bit too much of a burden. They, you need multiple backs. I think you do need a stable of running backs. You need two, three guys, and I think you should have a rotation of at least two. So essentially you're talking about the Cowboys rebuilding their, their offensive backfield. Yeah, for sure. It, We're gonna have to. This, and this offseason is a good offseason to do it with the free agent market, but in the draft, this is not a deep draft for running backs. You know, Jay Brooks is the top running back on most people's boards, and Jonathan Brooks is coming off the injury, and he's not gonna be drafted in the first round. No running back will. So, I mean, if the Cowboys, the Texans also need a running back, but the Cowboys they need one desperately. Yeah, well, and it feels like uh, we, there, there's a, the link to Jonathan Brooks with the Cowboys is that their team surgeon, their team orthopedist, did his surgery uh, and knows intimately his injury and uh, what it looks like more than anyone else. I mean, he was true. he did the procedure. Yeah. So, and the Cowboys, there are some reports that the Cowboys have talked to him and he feels really good about you know his full recovery and you know how quickly he can he can bounce back and uh, and be back a part of you know what they're doing. So, you know, could you sign it? Because look, the, the good thing for the Cowboys is there are a ton of backs in the market. Oh, uh, running backs. I mean, it's a deep free agency. Gosh, I mean, market. you're talking about some some of the most productive backs oh. the last half decade, and Derrick Henry included, uh, Saquon Barkley for crying out loud. Uh, you know, Austin Eckler will Josh, go on to some radar. Josh Jacobs, Josh Jacobs, a real good player. Yeah. Uh, but you know, and and that the reason that could be good is that that many good running backs on the market will repress the market yes. and depress the market. Yep. So you might be able to get a Josh Jacobs on a two year deal. Now the Cowboys have to clear some cap space, but if you could get one of these really good backs uh, at a good value on a short-term deal, then you could draft Jonathan Brooks, right? You, you address it that situation. Maybe re-sign Rico Dowdle, team-friendly contract kind of thing. Now you got three backs, uh, a veteran, a rookie, and a guy like Dowdle who you trust if you needed to go to him. I like that. I like that. But, you know, and I like Jonathan Brooks a lot. It would be one of those situations where the Cowboys getting a first-round value in the second round. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Brooks, I mean, that would, that would work out really well for the Cowboys. Cowboys do trust their training staff a lot. That's why they take chances with guys with, you know, medical issues or concerns. They have a lot of trust in that group, and it's proven to actually, I think, worked out for them. It's been to their benefit. Uh, they've gotten great value from players who a lot of teams have passed over. Jonathan Brooks can be one of those examples. Uh, and as you pointed out, they do it in the second round. That's kind of where they take a lot of their chances in the draft on guys with character issues, guys with uh, evaluation uh, questions, uh, things that they may not be uncertain about. They want to roll the dice. The second round is where they roll the dice, and that's right where Jay Brooks is being projected. Uh, so I'm with you. I think they just – I think get one in free agency, draft one, and then, yeah, like you said, maybe think about bringing back uh, Rico Dowdle. That should be relatively cheap. And, you know, for the Cowboys, that should put you at least in a good place to have enough depth to start the season. Um, you know, you're always going to have injuries, but you get a veteran out of this free agency market, I think you'll be doing pretty good. If you get that and Jonathan Brooks – I, I think the future will look pretty bright for the Cowboys at the running back position. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, and the, the, by reports, they like the player. I mean, the Cowboys, I mean, the Cow, the Cowboy fans will tell you all the time, man, they don't like Longhorns. They don't like Longhorn players. Well, they yeah, took the Marvin Overshone. Yeah. They took Overshone. They, they took, loved him. And they loved him. And that's, yeah. you know, Overshone will be coming back. That's like a, you know, adding another draft pick for them next year, a guy that. Uh, I know. I wonder in that Zimmer system how he's going to work, though. It is a very different system than, it than is. Dan Quinn's hybrid system. Um, so I'm not saying they don't, Marvin, but they loved him for Dan Quinn's system. Do they love them for Zimmer's system? It's a fair question. You know, fair question. That's my that's my concern. 
All right. Well, we'll certainly follow with the Cowboys and uh, obviously the, the the running backs at the combine. I don't know who's going to be running at the combine. Anybody want to see Blake Corum is a name Blake to watch because he was yeah. so productive at Michigan. Um, he's had one of those injury too. Had an had injury a years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, the kid Estime from Notre Dame uh, is a guy that people like at the running back position. The kid at Tennessee, uh, the running back there, people like. Um, but we'll see uh, how these things emerge. But uh, those are your those are your top guys after Jonathan Brooks. Uh, that's that spot uh, in the National Football League. So the again the, the the running backs run Saturday. Saturday's quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs. Okay. Saturday is all the skill guys. Tomorrow Thursday becomes defensive line, linebackers. Offensive line is Sunday, and so you're then you got your edge rushers and you know actually what do you have on on Friday? Friday will be the corners. Oh, DBs. so yeah. They want to divide up the speed. Speed. You get your wide receivers and your running backs early on. It'll be your 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 speed showcase. Uh, your main event early, and then you get the DBs. And I think the wide receivers are going to be faster than the DBs. Not all of them are going to run. Hell, Marvin Harrison Jr. ain't even going to the combine. Uh, he decided, no, y'all come see me at my pro day. And the truth is, more and more you're starting to see, you know, coaches not go to the combine. I mean, I don't think Sean McVay's not going this year. I don't think Mike McDonald's going. I don't think um, – Shanahan's not going to the combine. You're starting to see. I think Robert Sala's going to pass on the combine. I think it's, it's like a Belichick thing. I think it's like a Shanahan coaching tree thing, too, because Sean McVay hadn't been going for a while, and Shanahan has passed on it a few times because those coaches are realizing more and more. It's, it, the more it becomes a, a show, the less and less relevant it is to talent evaluation yeah. overall. Now, there are some really good – you know, drills that you need to pay attention to, but they're all being filmed. They're all being laser-timed. You can watch it. <laughs> you can watch it. You literally can watch well, your it scouts live. are there, right? And the you have your scouts there. The people yeah. you pay to do this are there. They're, yeah, so you your don't – GM will be there. Yeah, you don't need as a coach show up just to go watch it. It's like, actually, I could be, you know, better – my time can be better spent um, here doing other things because, like you said, yeah, you got a scouting department. So you get more and more that, hey, it's a TV show, and nah, I don't need to show up. I can actually watch the TV show if I really want to see a player. And you and remember the NFL changed the rule where you get the top third, you get your visits with your guys. Like you can make a list of guys, your top thirty or whatever players, and you can get to visit with the top thirty players that you that you compile. Yeah, you get to every go, team does go eye to eye to them, but you and also can, can do that at your individual. You know, bring them on campus. But you bring them, yeah, you bring them to your facilities. Yeah. But those are important because those at the combine you only get. I believe 15 minutes max with a player. Yeah. With a player, and then after that, they literally they literally cut you off. Like they, I think they sound like a, a buzzer or something. It's like, no, you gotta you gotta be done. Um, so, but you get way more than that at the when the individual top 30 workouts or workouts. They don't work them out all the time. The interviews like that. So, oh, yeah. yeah. So what the coaches are going these days is to go to St. Elmo's and get some of that uh, shrimp cocktail. Socializing. Get you a steak. Yeah, get you a, a, get, yep. St. Elmo's, damn good. It's a social. Add some of that, man. That that shrimp cocktail is uh, on point. Oh, is it? Got really? the horseradish and the sauce. <laughs> it's spicy, man. It'll clear your sinuses up. Then you get a good steak there at St. Elmo's. That's the good time. Uh, but you're going there to, to hang with the fellas. You're going there to kick it a little bit, which a lot of coaches like to do. I mean, that's how you get to know. Listen, coaching is a good old boys network. So you got to ne- the whole point. You better network. Make sure a lot of coaches know you. Make sure a lot of coaches like you, because inevitably you're gonna lose your job. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the way coaching is, right? You're going to lose your job, and when you lose your job, you're going to have to reach out, and you have to, that's going to be somebody out there that you met, that you know, that has the power to hire you, and honestly, that's coaching in a nutshell. That's <laughs> Your life is a coach, so you got to – that's why you go socialize that event. That's I got to right. get to know all these damn coaches, so when I lose my job, I can just text somebody, hey, man, I'm out of the job, or they'll see I lost my job and go, hey, I like that guy. He's a damn good coach too. You know what? Let's hire him. Good idea.
Yeah. All right, let's get to uh, behind the BOC with RB. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, let's look at Daniel Jeremiah's top 50. He made his uh, big board. Or he updated it because he, he's going to update this thing every couple of weeks or so through the silly season up until the draft. And the reason I like Daniel Jeremiah's updated top 50 is because, you know, it's based on new information. It's got new information about recruits, not recruits, prospects coming out in the draft. Then he decides, you know, I'm going to update my top 50 prospects, which is his big board. Uh, this is the second one for him. And uh, for the Longhorns, who are ranked in his big board, Byron Murphy is the first Longhorn ranked in his top 50. Um, he's got Byron Murphy at 22nd overall. Byron Murphy is expected to put on quite a show at the NFL Combine. I remember the uh, list, I believe it's Dane Brugler's got a freak list, the guys that he's willing to watch, at the, that he's really excited about watching at the Combine, and Byron Murphy made that list. I mean, this is a guy that played running back at the high school level, played linebacker, switched to defensive line. He's got great feet. Um, he, Bruce Feldman said he was the strongest player on the Texas team, whether it be squat or bench he's he said he's the fat he's the strongest player on the team also at one point gps trackers had him tracked at 18 miles per hour uh, at over 300 some pounds so he can move so he's supposed to really impress in things like three cone drill with his lateral quickness and agility and his pure strength so he's got him at 22nd and that's pretty pretty much a consensus i mean i haven't seen a big board or a top 50 ranking of players that doesn't have Byron Murphy as the top Longhorn um, uh, off the board overall. Uh, next for the Longhorns, he's got A.D. Mitchell at 33rd in his top 50. Um, he's got him right outside the first round. It's going to be all about the 40 that A.D. Mitchell runs. If he runs a 40, a 4-5, uh, low 4-5 or a high 4-4 anywhere in there, I think he's got a good chance to be drafted in the first round. If he runs a 4-4, I think he's going in the first round. If he doesn't, then teams will find a reason to kind of drop him in the draft, and his value may drop just because the wide receiver position is just so deep this year. They're expecting, and I believe Dane Brugler has 12 wide receivers among his, uh, if you go look at it, in his top 50 overall. That's a, a lot of wide, really good wide receivers that he's got in that in that group. Um, the next Longhorn that he has in his top 50, Xavier Worthy. Speaking of wide receivers, uh, he's got Xavier Worthy. He's got Xavier Worthy uh, squeezed uh, right ahead of Lad McConkey, the Georgia wide receivers. He's got a lot of wide receivers on his top uh, 50 list. Xavier Worthy's got it 41. If, Z if Xavier Worthy drops into that second round, I think a team might trade up to go get X-Man. I think X-Man could be that cut because he's the he could be the perfect fit in you know a, a certain system just be because of his speed and his ability to run precise routes he's a guy you can put on the move targets to motion i don't know i just feel like if he drops i think a team could be eyeing x-man especially since he's been i mean he's been highly productive since he was a freshman so he's been on the radar of scouts for a long time and he is technically he was the fastest player in college football this year in terms of what he was clocked on the field with GPS trackers. So I, I don't know. I just got that feeling about him. JT Sanders uh, at 46. Also got a feeling that if JT drops, starts to drop, I think a, a team could trade up to go get JT Sanders. There's going to be a big gap between Brock Bowers 
and JT, but an even bigger gap between JT and the rest of the tight ends coming out in this draft. If JT Sanders can prove athletically, his athletic profile is anywhere in the neighborhood of Brock Bowers, I think that'll close that gap between he and Brock Bowers a little bit. And if he runs well and shows you know, his, his straightaway speed, I think a team will fall in love with JT Sanders. Not a lot of good tight ends in this draft. And more and more, look at the Final Four of the NFL uh, this season, right? Whether you're talking about Sam Laporta, you're talking about Kittle, whether you're talking about Kelsey, whether you're talking about Mark Andrews, they all had elite tight end play. I think more and more teams are starting to recognize that. Uh, so JT Sanders at 46 uh, on this uh, top 50 board. And no to Vondre Sweat. I'm a little surprised, not a little surprised, I'm very surprised that Daniel Jeremiah, who's one of the more respected draft analysts, doesn't have Tavondre Sweat on his initial top 50. He had Tavondre Sweat at number 48. And I guess recently, with his latest uh, top 50, he has dropped him out of uh, the top 50 ranking. I think that's a mistake. I heard Mel Kuyper talking this past weekend about Tavondre Sweat saying he may be ascending to be his top D tackle on the board, on the big board. Um, Jim Nagy, uh, the executive director of the Senior Bowl, is a big fan of Andre Sweat, says he shouldn't, he shouldn't drop out of the first round. So, I don't know. Everybody's got their own opinion. Uh, I don't know why Andre Sweat will be dropping that much to drop out of the, the top 50. Still puts him in the second round, um, but I was pretty damn sure he's a top 50 prospect. I will say that Pro Football Focus had him really low, too. Um, remember, we did the Pro Football Focus big board yesterday, and I was surprised that they had – uh, to Vondre Sweat, and so they had him as the 90th overall prospect for Pro Football Focus, and they had him as the highest grade, highest graded interior defensive lineman, but they had him as the 90th prospect, so maybe it's the weight. Maybe people are just concerned that he can't be an every down player, he's going to be an early down player, first and second down, and that he's going to be a run, stop, a run stuffer, but not a pass rusher. I think he can be a pass rusher as well as a run stuffer. Um, I think he also can be an every down player. But, yeah, if he's 365 pounds and ballooning close to 370, uh, it may be tough for him to be an every down player. I think they're hoping he weighs in at close to 350. If he does, it'll show them that he's not a guy that has to con be concerned with his weight. If he can lose the weight, it will show a lot of self-discipline. also show them that, uh, if possible, he can stay at a certain weight or perform at a certain weight because they're going to see him do drills if he's at 355 or 350. They will see if he can maintain the strength with the bench press. So the question for him really is, what does he weigh in, and then how does he perform at that weight? We know he can play at 360. Um, can he perform and still keep the strength at 355 or 350, whatever they want to see him at? So that will be the question for them. Um, yeah, and that, that, there's a great – and that's, by the way, that's, that's all. That's, he's got basically – that's it in his top uh, 50 for Daniel Jeremiah. No more Longhorns uh, in his top 50. Uh, my man C.J. Vogel's got a great article over at Owen Texas Football that I would encourage you guys to go check out too. He's just talking about what drills are going to mean the most to help increase the draft stock of these Longhorns that are coming out. And I think get the nail on the head with almost all of them. Um, talks about Jonathan Brooks. It's going to be his interviews. I think also his medical evaluations. Keelan Robinson, 40-yard dash for Keelan Robinson because, you know, any other uh, evaluation from him, they're going to want to know what's his – What's his max speed, right? That's uh, what they want to know about a guy like Keelan Robinson, who's 
a boutique player, a, a complimentary player for on offense. But as a kick returner, if a team is going to value that, I mean, he could be a, a, a lethal kick, kick returner for a team. A.D. Mitchell, we talked about him, 40-yard dash. Xavier Worthy says the wide receiver gauntlet, that's when a wide receiver is running across the field. And on both sides, there are multiple quarterbacks and multiple coaches throwing the football, and you got to turn from one side to the other uh, and catch the football, adjusting at the last minute to the angle of the football. They want to test his hands. Matt Miller pointed out people believe that X-Man has bad hands based on his 2022 season, but we all know he just had a broken hand. That was the reason for it. I think he remedied that in 2023. For Jordan Whittington, he talks about the 20-yard shuttle because uh, you want to show that with all the injuries, these soft tissue injuries that uh, Jordan Whittington has had, uh, his ability to change direction. 